Hello, and welcome to Coffee Talk with Crystal. I am Crystal Grafton Combs, host of this podcast and international president of Alpha Omicron Pi Fraternity. Originally started in 2019, Coffee Talk is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Here, we will talk about life, leadership, sisterhood, and so much more. So thank you for listening, and now let's get to the next episode. Today's episode features Bev Townsend, an initiated member of our Alpha Phi chapter at Montana State University. She has served in a variety of volunteer roles over her many years of service to our fraternity and is a former member of our Rituals, Traditions, and Jewelry Committee. Bev is an icon and an inspiration, and I hope you will enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed hosting it. Bev Townsend, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Crystal. I'm so happy to be with you today. I am thrilled. So many people that I talk to ask me, when will you talk with Bev Townsend? You are literally a living legend for many, many, many sisters. Oh, that makes me cheer up. (laughs) I love this. Let's get started the way we always do. Tell me about your AOPI story. I have so many. I'll start with the day I pledged. Um, Yes, I was torn between AOPI and Delta Gamma and um, loved AOPI from the get-go, but there was something about the anchor, and I'm a water person, and they had a bunch of really spunky gals, a lot of athletes, a lot of swimmers, and I thought, okay, where do I go? Where do I go? And I felt so at home on preference. It just was meant to be. So I pledged in 1958 before you and your grandmother were even born, probably, (laughs) and um, got initiated in 59. I was pretty involved on campus as a freshman and sophomore with student body activities and and synchronized swimming. And so I didn't do, I was coach class president, but I didn't run for any offices my sophomore year because of the commitment I had on campus. But I really regret that. If I were to look back and say, do I have any regrets? I would say not getting involved as an officer. Um, I waited till I was an alum to do that, but there are some merits to be said for that as well. So, yeah. And then I met my husband in chemistry class the first week of school. We started dating at the end of that freshman year. And by the end of our sophomore year, just starting into our junior year, we we got married. He was a Bobcat football player and I was um, a baton twirler and a swimmer. And we just kind of fell in love and decided we didn't want to wait till we got out of college, which was probably another thing I'd look back on and say, maybe you should finish school these days <laughs> first. But I was able to finish school and graduated with elementary. And then um, I traveled, Bill was in the Marine Corps, and we traveled for four years, one of which um, tours took us to Hawaii oh. for three years. So I didn't like that one bit, of course, <laughs> being a water person. <laughs> I wish people could see the smile on your face as you say that. <laughs> yeah, I think I could have been one, a Hawaiian. I love their lifestyle. But anyway, I, I didn't um, have an alum group there to belong to. But I had, a, this is going back to Virginia when my second child was born when we were in basic school. 
And I had, um, he'd been real sickly, was born with some deficiencies and so forth. So I had to take care of him quite intensely and had a very limited social life, I should say, socially with AOPI. But I was rocking him in my arms, looking out the window one day in December, January. And I saw this little girl walking down the street, pushing a stroller and she had on an AOPI jacket. I literally threw my child into his bassinet and went running down the stairs and said, I'm an AOPI too, come up, come up. So she came up, brought her toddler, and we chatted, and we were friends for the last four months that I was there, and it was just so great reconnecting. And I didn't realize how much I had missed my sisters and my involvement and hearing stories. She was from a Delaware chapter, and and so that was all new experience for me. That was great. Um, then I had, I think, 10 years when I didn't do a whole lot for AOPI. I was raising my children and eventually started a teaching career. And then uh, 1979, this is a, a bittersweet year for me. AOPI chapter on MSU campus, believe it or not, was on probation for three different issues, scholarship, uh, finances, and social. And my daughter was going through rush. And of course, all my life, I've thought my daughter going to be an AOPI and she didn't care for AOPI and they didn't like her and she was dropped the second night as she had come to my classroom to tell me mom I don't think I'm going back to AOPI we're just not clicking it off and I hope you don't mind and I said oh go Greek that's all I care about but I was devastated and so I thought "Mm, I could get really mad about this and just bail out or I can get involved. (laughs) I chose to get involved. And there were two other gals younger than I that decided we'd take on this advisory capacity and take this struggling chapter, which out of seven chapters at the time was probably the lowest in numbers or the second lowest with 29 members everyone else had in the 60s. And we made a a plan of action, sort of a 10 year plan and um, got busy and got involved. And that's the best way to to get involved is when you're really needing a chapter to help. So that's where I began. And so then Rev, I um, have to stop you for just one minute because sure. you just said a lot of things that literally just gave me chills over and over and over. The first is that you are right. You could have gotten mad or you could have made a change. And I think there are a lot of people out in the world of AOPI who have been in that situation, whether it was around a child in recruitment or around a myriad of other things, and yet you chose to give back so that you could make a difference. That is one of the most admirable decisions that I think any one of our sisters could make, and I think that's tremendously important. Also, that it was on a local level. Please make no mistake, I love being international president. I have loved my international service. But the core of who we are starts with our collegiate chapters and the women that support them. It is invaluable. And I love that you recognized that all those years ago. Now, the only other thing we have to clear up, there are a whole lot of MSUs in North America. So we do have to tell people we are talking about your chapter of initiation, correct? Alpha Phi at Montana State University. Correct. Yeah. (laughs) Forgive me, Michigan friends. I I know you're out there. (laughs) I love it. Well, and we have one here in Mississippi too. Oh, you do? (laughs) We do. Forgive me there too. Okay. So, so you decided to take this approach. We are so glad you did. Tell me what happened next. 
I, I was pledge advisor that year. We called them pledges then. And um, it was a struggle. I will say that the 29 girls we had, women we had, were really nice young women to work with. And they um, increased their numbers gradually. Things got better. We had scholarship programs that were not in play before that, that we um, were, the grades were getting better. Things were going better. It was taking a while. Um, come along 1983, I believe it was, the New Orleans Convention. Our chapter advisor could not attend, so she had me go in her stead. And that was probably the other turning moment in my life with Ado Pai. Um, met Ginger Banks doing the Congo line, and I fell in love with Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. <laughs> you met Ginger sorry. Banks doing the what? Oh, it was in New Orleans. And so we had at dinner, you know, the collegiate night, the, the first or second night, they have all these fun kind of crazy activities, rush skit style. And I was just sitting there, I didn't know soul up to then. And um, Ginger came by my table and picked me up by the elbow and said, come along, come along, let's dance. And it was just so impressive to me that this gal who was, I think soon to be or was international president would take time to lift me up by the elbow, literally, figuratively, <laughs> and get me to join that line of dancers. So that was my start with international convention. At that time, Crystal, um, we had to fill out a form, it was a blue skinny form at every business, at the end of the business meeting, stating all the different jobs that were available and committees and so forth. And I always checked off that I would be interested in doing ritual traditions and jewelry committee. Well, I must tell you, for 16 years, eight conventions, I checked off that little blue box that I would love to be involved with ritual traditions and, and jewelry committee. So in the meantime, I, I backing up a little bit, I did eventually become um, chapter advisor. And I did a lot of writing of materials for ritual education, problem solving with the ritual, different kinds of activities that were ritual based, living by your, your ritual. And it just meant so much to me. And I thought I, I'd really have a lot of gall doing this and I'm not even on the committee, but I would submit what I was doing to whoever was our regional president at the time for her approval. I said, is it okay if I do this? We don't have any materials on this. So it was approved and it was okay. And then one year, 16 years later, I did get the magic phone call that they would like me to serve. Without a doubt, other than being really involved with the local chapter, the ritual traditions of jewelry has been my very favorite thing to do. But it took a long time <laughs> to yeah, get there. It did take a long time. But I Kept also trying. love the the perseverance, yes. But the the fact that you had that patience and when the time was right, you were willing to still say yes. I think sometimes we are in a society where everything is so fast. You know, everything's at the touch of the fingertip or a click of a button. Patience sometimes can be tremendously rewarding. And I love this for you. Now, you know, this is where we have to talk a little bit more because you have lots of fun stories that you share about what it is to live your ritual and how you remind people. And inevitably, when someone brings you up in conversation, there is always a connection to ritual. So I would love for you to share with all of our listeners something that you think it's important for everyone to know about it. Thank you, Crystal. I, I'd love to talk these stories. Um, one of my favorites was back again when I was pledge advisor. We had an early um, founder from our chapter who had just gone into a, a nursing home. 
And so one evening we made arrangements for all of our pledge class to go up to the nursing home to visit her. And we took her a red rose. And uh, as we were visiting, we noticed that she had little red roses everywhere. Uh, she had a little quilt, had a rose in it, and she had a, a real one somewhere. And there was a picture on her wall and an embroidery that I especially noticed. And I told her, I said, you know, these are beautiful. I said, tell me the story. And she said, well, she said, my rose reminds me how to live. I have one in every room in my home so that I'm constantly reminded I need to live by the rose. And I started doing that and I tell you, it makes a difference. Um, it's really a beautiful piece that she was a little lady in her 80s at the time, I believe. And then um, shortly after, back in for or going forward a bit, she was um, in, the nurse, in, in the hospital in her last stages of life went up to see her again and took another red rose in a crystal bowl. And um, she says, oh, that is so lovely. What a shame, I have to eat it. And so <laughs> that again was a very, kind of went full circle with the story of the rose and my dear founder lady. Um, another funny story that I have in my Calgary girls will really appreciate this because it happened when I was there. I think I was regional vice president at the time, and I was making a visit to um, Calgary, and um, my husband knew how involved I was with AOPI, and he thought he'd surprise me and get me a license plate while I was gone that said AOPI. Well, he didn't know better, but he put AOPI, but it was nice. It was a very nice gesture. I got home, and, and um, <laughs> I said, this is really cool. What made you do this? And he says, well, I know you get road rage every now and then, and I figured if you had an AOPI license plate on your car, you'd quit flipping people off. <laughs> okay, so this story was not exactly what I had anticipated you to share. <laughs> you could delete that if you wish. I absolutely but... will not. I love it. <laughs> you know, he knew at the time with a rose in every room and a license plate on her car when she doesn't have a rose there, I better do something, I guess. That is amazing. Uh, so I don't always live by my beautiful ritual. But, <laughs> but you do at least make the effort. <laughs> that is funny. So tell me, how long did you serve on RTNJ? 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. And at about the 16-year level, I kept thinking I should step down so other girls can have this experience other women because this really is a beautiful committee but ginger talked me out of it at the time and i guess i'm really glad that she did because i had many great experiences with those wonderful women who were on it then and are now it's just been a very important part of my life and i've loved it what advice would you give to our sisters about how to incorporate our ritual today into their everyday lives. I think we all do it in a little bit different way, but some of us are still searching to find what works. The, the bottom line where be patient, be kind, be loving, I think those are such simple little phrases to think about. You don't have to get all wordy about the ritual. You just have to think of some common passages that mean a lot to you. And all of those things are so simple. If you've got it committed to your heart, they're gonna pop up automatically whenever you're in a tough situation. And I think um, when you mentioned patience earlier, yeah, that was, um, that's AOPI, just be patient, your time will come. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but it's, I, I did an interesting thing one year with ritual that um, I wish I had done more of, but I was, when I was Greek advisor, I was Greek advisor for eight years after I retired from teaching. 
And one of the things we were having a lot of problems in, in our Greek life, and that was just the change over time when alcohol policies were being reviewed. And, and it was a tough time for the fraternities to kind of get on board. So I had every fraternity and sorority come to a meeting and I had them bring their ritual, which we're not gonna share a ritual with you. But I said, we divide up, divided up into our own little groups and I gave them a list of problems. And I said, find a word or two or a passage in your ritual that would take care of the solution if you just looked at it. And every single fraternity, sorority, I knew they would be able to, but the fraternities really surprised me. I was so proud. Every one of them, were able to pick a passage, a phrase, or some solution. It was right in front of him the whole time. And it's sort of like, I guess I got that idea from Ed King, or heard him speak one time, and this is probably the other story people are referring to. Um, I sat behind Ed King on the bus going back to the airport, and he's a very well-known Sigma Chi ritual expert. And um, I mentioned that I had really, really loved his um, presentation, and that I used his material often. And um, he thanked me and he had his hand over the back of the seat in front of him. I noticed his ring and he said, I noticed you're looking at my ring. He says, let me tell you the story about my ring. And he said, every morning when I get up, I put on my Sigma Chi ring this way. And he said, it isn't until I do something that would make my founders proud that I write my ring. And then he would take it off and turn it around so the cross was the way he was to wear it and that really hit home it really struck in with the rows in every room um turn around your ring when the, uh, you've done something to make your founders proud and i think those are simple things that people can do and i had whenever i wore my ring i would think of that and i'd put it on the wrong way the rows facing outward instead of inward and um turn it when i had a chance to prove that i had done something my proud founders would be proud so that's an easy solution. That I is think. really outstanding. I have never thought to do anything quite so intentional with it. And I love it. So Bev, you have spent all of these years, you have served 20 years on RTNJ. I now know that you also served in the Panhellenic community. Tell me, and I know this is putting you on the spot, there is no one highlight. But when you think about your fondest memories in AOPI, share one of them with us. I think this would have to be it. Again, it was my first convention at New Orleans and um, Wilma Smith Leland was national, had been a national president and was presenting an award, um, the Hinton Award, it was presented to Mary D. Drummond, Mary Danielson Drummond, who had just had her leg amputated with diabetes, living in Oregon, which isn't too far. And I had had some contact with her, just notes and so forth over the years. But um, she was presented the award and was not there to receive it. So Wilma had asked if someone from Alpha Phi chapter would come up and receive the award for her. And so um, the chapter president and I were the only two from Montana State that were there, so we both went up together. And this is sort of mystical. Some people think, boy, she's really a witch. But I actually <laughs> felt an, an air, a presence, when I took that little plaque from Wilma, and I felt like it was a message to me that Mary D's work, especially with Rachel, had to go on, and that I was the one that had to do that. And like I say, it's very out there, but that was the strangest feeling, and it it meant a lot to me, and that's the one, I guess. That's my best 
memory. That's amazing. You, for the maybe fourth time in this conversation, have given me chills once again. Bev, what advice would you give to our sisters when they are in a time where they cannot give volunteer leadership as a chapter advisor or as a network specialist, for instance, and they're just in a place of managing all the other things in life. Is there any advice that you could give them to keep them inspired and connected to AOPI? Crystal, I guess I would have to say stay connected to something or someone, whether it's a visit to the chapter house at homecoming or staying in touch with your big sister, your roommate. That's what kept me going. I was actually on the lost list for a while with Todragma, which seems kind of strange, but there was they did not know my address at the time because I hadn't bothered to send it in. I would encourage women to send their address to headquarters instantly when they make a change because I missed out on a lot of magazine todogmas and so forth and would have been probably better connected. But staying with a sister is is probably the best. I did make a couple of visits and that's when I first saw Mary D. Um, it was when we had our 50th celebration at Alpha Phi Chapter. And um, it was during that time when I wasn't too involved and that kind of spurred me along as well. But the connections are important. I would say keep that to drama coming, stay online. That's something now that's just wonderful to do. But yeah, just a connection. Connections are so important to me. Well, and to give people a little context, you just referenced the 50th anniversary of Montana State University of our chapter there, Alpha Phi. But just recently, you all celebrated the 100th anniversary of Alpha Phi chapter. So that is quite a lifespan and service that you have given. Bev, I do have to ask, how many years has it been since your initiation? Oh gosh, 59, um, 63, 63, almost 63 years. Yeah. And, you and all about 10 of them, I've been fairly involved. That's amazing. I do have to thank you for this conversation. I appreciate you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your perspective, and your advice. Is there anything else that you would like to put out into the world before we are done together today? Crystal, I would like to personally thank you for this coffee chat idea of yours. I think this has been wonderful. The podcasts are so much fun to listen to, and you're definitely reaching out to all of us, and I commend you for that idea. It was, you're a very wonderful person and a marvelous president for us. Thank well, you. it wouldn't have happened without <laughs> sisters like you who agree to talk to me. So I appreciate you so much, Bev. Thank you for joining me today. And as always, for everyone out there listening, thank you. And until next time, stay safe and be well. Mm-hmm.